Well, if you got a Bible at home um, or some kind of technology, you got to have a Bible at home, right? Like I get it. Sometimes you may forget, brought it to church, but uh, you got to have a Bible at home. Grab your Bible. You can turn to uh, John 16, which is funny because none of us brought our Bibles. John 16. Um, we're in a little, little mini-series here uh, about victory leading up to ultimately victory over death that Jesus uh, accomplished victory, right? And we have that in him. Today, we're talking about victory over the world. We're going to be in John 16, and um, starting in verse 32. I'm going to read out of the NIV. Jesus speaking says, a time is coming, and in fact, I'll take that. Thank you, Amy. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, interesting language, each to your own home, Jesus said. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus spoke these words right before his crucifixion. And when he said there's a time coming when uh, they would all be in their own homes, he's, he's not talking about like a self-quarantine, uh, although that is interesting language. But what he's talking about is he's about to be arrested and most of his disciples would flee out of fear. They would all go back, they would scatter and all go back to their own homes. Why? Because there was gonna be a lot of unknowns. This was gonna be kind of a crazy season for them. Uh, a very terrifying season for them. They were going to be, like us right now actually, separated from each other and separated from the person that they trusted probably most, Jesus. Thankfully, we are not separated from Jesus, but uh, separated from each other. A scary, intense time for these guys. The title of this sermon is Victory Over the World, and there's, there's four points I want to look at uh, Number one, I want to look at a lame promise, okay, a lame promise. Number two, uh, divine power. Number three, permanent position. And number four, a victorious people. When a lame promise is confronted with divine power, it creates a new permanent position and a new victorious people. First of all, a lame promise. Hey, everybody in this room, wherever you're at, uh, just participate with me, okay? Say out loud, lame promise. Lame, lame promise. Lame promise. We like encouraging promises, right? Like, then there's a lot of those in the Bible. And uh, I, don't, I don't like the fact that this promise is in here, but I do appreciate the candor of Jesus just saying it like it is. And here's the promise. Here's the lame promise. In this world, you will have trouble. It's a guarantee. He promises, though we don't like it, it's a lame one. He promises we will have trouble. Okay, so everybody just say out loud, trouble. Trouble. With a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Oh, nice. <laughs> you guys know that, what musical that's from? That's from the Music Land. I was in it twice when I was a kid. And my daughter just got cast for like a legit role in the Music Man in a legit play in Thousand Oaks, and they just shut down the whole thing or postponed it, right? Anyways, that's from Music Man. Trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with a P, and that stands for a pool. The, the word for trouble here 
by the way, if you're a 15 year old, this is a big deal. This, this is like legit world trouble, right? Like my first big production, I can't, I can't be a part of it. The Greek word for trouble here, it's this word flipsis. Super funny pronunciation, but flipsis. Here's what it means. Pressure which constricts or rubs together used to speak of a narrow place that hems someone in, a tribulation, especially internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined, restricted without options and no way of escape, which I think is interesting given our current predicament that we are physically, literally restricted without options and kind of no way of escape unless you work in one of those 16 industries, which I don't. Uh, but we got permission from the mayor to be here, by the way. So, right? Like, this is how it is right now. Like, I, can I go to the mall? No, you can't go to the mall. Can I go work at a coffee shop? No. I can I take my wife on a date? No. Can I return something to Amazon Prime? I turn, try to turn something to Kohl's where you can return things from Amazon Prime. I can't do this, right? We are restricted to our own places. Now, that's not trouble with a capital T that rhymes with P and stands for pool. Like, on an all serious note, this is not the kind of trouble Jesus is talking about, right? Uh, he's talking about, like, real trouble in the world. Real trouble in the world. Some of your translations may translate this word trouble, tribulation. That, that's really what it's getting at. It's the kind of tribulations and circumstances that make you feel like the pressure is closing in, like the pressure is getting harder and closer and tighter. Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he's talking about uh, the kind of trouble that they would experience, which would be persecution. Um, they would be running for their lives, some of them, or at least fearing for their lives. Uh, pestilence would come. That's like, dude, that's what we're experiencing right now. Epidemics, pandemics, that's all throughout the Bible. That's the kind of trouble Jesus is talking about. In all honesty, people's freedoms being taken away. I'm not trying to be like political or anything, but like a lot of us feel like I can't even go to work. Like that's a legitimate freedom I have. I'm being forced to not make money. I've heard, I, I know a guy this week, he's got a couple kids. His wife's not able to work. He lost his job, right? Like feels like he's not, he can't even work at the job that he had liberty to work at before. Jesus is talking about crisis, financial or otherwise, Trouble in the world, you can count on it. It is a lame promise, but it is a promise. In this world, you will have trouble. But the lame promise, number one, is met with, number two, divine power and a divine proclamation. We see right here in our passage, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Okay, everybody just say it out loud. Divine power. Divine power. divine power. So number one, lame promise. Number two, divine power. Jesus has overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. The way that the phrase reads in the original language is uh, the possession that you receive from the world is trouble. In other words, uh, trouble is the inheritance that the world gives us. Everyone who is somehow negatively um, uh, affected by the coronavirus right now would say, that's right, <laughs> that's right. Trouble is our possession that we receive from the world that we live in. But he continues, he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is a divine proclamation of absolute authority and victory and power. 
To overcome, it means to conquer, to be victorious, to prevail over and subdue under your feet. Jesus declares here, I have overcome the world. So uh, by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection, Jesus subdued the world under his feet. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus has overcome the world? What exactly is under his feet? Well, the verse gives us a clue as to what it's talking about with the world. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. So he's speaking about, uh, he's not speaking about the earth. He's not speaking about like the physical earth when he says the world. He's not speaking about trees and beaches and birds and stuff. He's talking about the world and the effects of the world and the, in particular, the trouble that comes from the world. He's saying, the, this is what I have overcome. He's talking about the effects of a fallen world and everything that comes along with that. Anything that creates the kind of trouble that feels like a pressing in of pressure from all sides. The good news here is that Jesus doesn't just say, I've overcome the trouble. He says, I've overcome the world, which is the source of the trouble. I love that Jesus like, always gets to the root of the issue, right? Like he always, he's like, I'm uprooting the, the, the root system of this trouble. With his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus demonstrated his divine power over the world and all of its trouble. Jesus did not and does not succumb to the trouble of the world. In fact, scripture tells us that all things are subject to him. Check this out, Ephesians chapter one, verses 20, through, uh, 20 and 22. It says, the glorious father, check this out, raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places and put all things under his feet. God has put all things under the feet of Jesus. Just say all things, everybody. Say all, all things. things. He has put all things under the feet of Jesus. Lord, they said to him in, in John chapter nine, but this blind man has been blind since birth. Jesus touches his eyes. The man is permanently healed. God has put all things under his feet. Disease, physical infirmities, yes, all things. Everybody say all things. All, all things. things. If you're at home, say all things. Listen, if you're not participating and you're at home right now, you don't even have to get, get in the car to come to church. You need to participate. You're still in your like no shoes, pajamas. Like you gotta participate. Say get your kids, say all things. They can do this together. All things under his feet, physical infirmities, yes. Everybody say all things. All, all things. things. But Jesus, they said to him in Matthew 7, this boy is mute. He's had a demon for a really long time. We can't do anything about it. Jesus rebukes the demon. It comes out. This boy is healed. This boy is healed. Demonic oppression, spiritual darkness, bondage. Yes, say all things. All things. But Lord, it's too late. They said to him in John chapter 11, Lazarus is already dead. He's been dead for four days. He's in the tomb for four days. It's too late. There's nothing you could do about it. Jesus speaks to the tomb. Lazarus. Come forth, and out comes the previously dead man, still wrapped in his grave clothes. Death? Yeah, all things. Everybody say all things. All things. But Lord, they said in Mark chapter 4, 
the storm's too big as the disciples were being tossed to and fro by these crazy waves and wind. And it says the waves were coming into uh, the wind. Uh, the waves were coming into the boat, filling the boat. Jesus is asleep in the the bottom of the stern of the boat. That was called the stern of the boat. And and they say to him, Lord. Wake him up. Lord, we're going to, aren't you even caring that we're going to die? We're going to die. They're fearing for their lives, feeling like they're going to die. Some of us right now, for uh, right or, you know, maybe inaccurate reasons, some of us fear, having that fear right now, feeling like I'm fearing for my life. I'm looking at this storm. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Like, what, what am I going to do? Lord, don't you care about this storm that looks like it's going to kill me? Jesus stands up and speaks to the wind and waves, shalom. He speaks his peace to them. He says, peace to you. And peace comes and he calms the storm. The storms of life? Yeah, everybody say all things. All things. In Matthew 9, 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and listen, healing every disease and sickness even novel ones. doesn't say that. I'm adding that in. Even novel ones. Guaranteed that's what he does. He heals diseases. He heals sicknesses. He heals viruses. He heals coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. That, don't tell me that name. Like that name has some kind of authority, like it's meant to intimidate us. You ever heard the name of Jesus? That's the name that intimidates everything. All of that comes under the authority of Jesus. God has put all things under his feet. Disease, sickness, viruses, coronavirus. Yes, all things. Everybody say all things. All things. things. God has put all things under the feet of Jesus. Ooh, I'm sweating now. (laughs) When the lame promise of trouble is confronted with the divine power of Jesus, things start changing. So that was number one and two. Number one, lame promise. Number two, divine power. Now, this next one, uh, it's, it, it's kind of a hinge. This, everything kind of hinges on this next one because it's one thing, those first two is one thing. It's one thing that Jesus has overcome the world, right? His divine power, that's one thing. But uh, it doesn't really mean anything for me unless it has implications for my personal life and for your personal life. It's like Jesus dying on the cross. It's like, that's only profound if the implications are uh, profound for me personally, right? That only applies to me and is powerful to me if it means something for me. And this does mean something for us. The fact that Jesus has overcome the world does mean something for us, which is why it says, and Jesus says, take heart, you, take heart. The word means be encouraged. Uh, This should be good news to you, Jesus is saying. Rejoice in this, this should make you feel better. Take heart, I have overcome the world. How does Jesus overcoming the world, Jesus having victory over the world, make us feel better, make me feel better? Here's how it works. When the lame promise of trouble is confronted with the divine power, Jesus creates a new permanent position for the child of God. Everybody say permanent position. Permanent position. What is the new permanent position? He says it right there in one word, in. He says, in me. Number three, the permanent position. We are in Jesus. Everybody say, in Jesus. In Jesus. When the lame promise of trouble is confronted with the divine power of Jesus, it creates a new permanent position for the child of God, namely being in Jesus. I said earlier that this phrase, in the world, how it reads in the Greek is that the world 
uh, gives us an inheritance, gives us a possession, if you will. Uh, the trouble is the inheritance that the world gives us. This, this phrase, in Jesus, is the exact same word. It's the exact same phrase. Uh, meaning, in Jesus, we also possess something. The world has an inheritance for us, if you will, and Jesus has an inheritance for us. What do we inherit? What do we possess from him? Well, for one thing, peace, right? In me, you, have, you may have peace, he says. But it's actually bigger than that when we look at the whole of Scripture. We'll come back to the peace thing in a minute. Uh, I read from this passage earlier in Ephesians uh, 1. I want to, and watch my hands here because this is, this is how it is, right? It says, the glorious Father raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And he put all things under his feet. Everybody again, say all things. All things. But you know what it says a few verses later in Ephesians 2, 6? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So now his position is our position. His authority is our authority. His victory is our victory. His overcoming is our overcoming. His power is our power. When the lame promise of trouble is confronted with the divine power of Jesus, it creates a new permanent position for the child of God, which means that we are now a new victorious people, okay? So number one, lame promise, divine power. Number three, permanent position. Number four, everybody say victorious people. Victorious people. people, We can overcome the world. Uh, If you were here maybe a year and a half ago at church, I actually we were teaching this passage in Ephesians because we're going through Ephesians, and I shared this beautiful prophetic dream that God gave me. And uh, in the dream, I was a little cute little kid, like I don't know, four or five years old, curly, pazano little boy, and uh, I was on a cloud with Jesus. And I was like kind of leaning against him. I was like laying in his lap and we're like cruising. It's all good. And then in the distance, I saw these like crazy missiles coming toward us. And I'm a little kid. I'm getting freaked out. Even as an adult, I would be freaked out. And I started these like big old fighter jet things and arrows. They were all coming at us. And I'm like, I'm starting to panic in my dream, right? And Jesus is still like kicking his legs off the cloud, right? It's like no big deal. And I'm like waiting for Jesus to freak out. He's not freaking out. And these things are getting closer. So in the dream, I'm like panicking, you know? And uh, as they got closer, generally as things get closer, they uh, uh, increase in size. But as they got closer, they were exposed for what they really were. And they actually started getting smaller and smaller and smaller until this massive like fighter jet turned into like a toy airplane, right? And these massive missiles turned into like toy little like missiles. And as they got closer, they were coming at us and Jesus went like this, whoosh, and he just started in my dream, flicking them, whoosh, 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 almost like it was a game. He started flicking these things away. And I woke up, and I was like still a little bit like scared from it. And the Lord was just like, hey, because I was, I was going through, wrestling through some stuff in my own personal life that I was just feeling like it was massive obstacles, uh, massive like uh, things coming against me that I, 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 w- I wasn't sure how to deal with. It felt like too much. And the Lord was like, hey, you're seated with me in the heavenly places, Dom. And when you're seated with me in the heavenly places, my victory is your victory. My power is your power. And this is how uh, the things of the world are to me and therefore to you because you are in me. And he started flicking these things away. Um, when we are seated 
in the heavens with Jesus. That position that he has becomes our position as victory is now our victory. Which no wonder why Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. He says, this is good news. This is something for you to be encouraged about that I have overcome the world. Why? Why is Jesus overcoming the world encouraging for us, for you, Christian? Because what's his is yours. Jesus has overcome the world. You are in Jesus. What's his is yours. Therefore, you can overcome the world. For everyone born of God, 1 John says, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. What is it that overcomes the world? Or who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has overcome the world. You are in Jesus. Therefore, what's his is yours You do not have to be subject to the trouble of the world because Jesus is not subject to the trouble of the world, right? Romans 8, 35 to 37 says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Check out this list. Shall trouble, exact same Greek word, phlipsis, encroaching pressure. Shall trouble separate us from the love of God or hardship or persecution or famine or toilet paper famine? Or naked, if you've been in the grocery store, you know what I'm talking about. Or nakedness, or danger. Since some of us feel like we're in danger right now, maybe you really are because you're susceptible to this stupid thing going around. Or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered even as sheep to be slaughtered. And these people were facing death. Shall any of these things separate us from the love of God? No. But in all these things, Things, all this stuff, all the trouble of the world, all the tribulations, all the pressure, and all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You don't have to be conquered by the world. You don't have to be subject to the trouble of the world when you are in Jesus. You don't have to come under the weight of the world. The world is under the authority of Jesus. He has overcome it. The world is under the authority of Jesus, and we are up here with him, which means we don't have to do this. We don't have to come under the weight. We are up here with Jesus. It means we don't have to become victims to our circumstances. It means that the world and its trouble doesn't get to dictate the tone of our emotions and the tone of our like thought patterns and the tone and the vibe of our like households right now. I'm not a slave to the world. I don't have to do what it tells me to do. I mean, I need to obey the law. But I don't have to like fall under the like weight and the tone of the world. I'm a child of God. I get to fall under his weight and his tone, right? I get to rise above circumstances and be more than a conqueror in all of these terrible types of things. Jesus didn't remove the effects of the world, but he did remove the power that those effects have on us. It's just like Jesus didn't remove the presence of sin but he did remove the power of sin for the Christian. We are still able to sin. There's still the presence of sin. But the power that sin has over us, that is what was taken away. Now we have a choice to not come under the power of sin because we are not a a slave to the master of sin anymore. In the same way, excuse me, Jesus did not remove the effects of this world, but he did remove the power that those effects can have on us. 
right? There's like a difference between uh, the, uh, being affected by the fallenness of the world and being overcome by the fallenness of the world. And this is where some of us are stuck right now. Um, you're feeling the pressure. Jesus said we would have it. It was a lame promise. He said that we would have it. Uh, we're feeling the pressure and we are feeling the effects of it. But we are also coming under the weight of it and being overcome by it. Now, we will be affected. We can't change that. Uh, all of us are feeling, I mean, dude, the fact that we're like in a room right now having to be six feet apart from each other, we can't even have church together. Like, you can't even gather in homes right now. We are feeling the effects of this. Dude, my six-year-old is turning seven next week. Poor kid can't even have a birthday party with friends. We're going to do a Zoom video call where all of his friends singing happy birthday. Like, I'm sorry, dude, but if you're seven and you've only remembered three birthdays, that sucks. This is like, he's feeling the trouble of this. He has an amazingly great attitude about it. Good job, Kingston. I love you, bro. Uh, he's, he's awesome. But like, we're feeling it, right? Some of you parents, student parents are going crazy right now. You're like, this is why I don't homeschool. Now I'm like being forced to homeschool. Like, my kids are not good at being homeschool students. I'm not good at being a homeschool uh, parent or teacher. Like, that's why they go to real school. Now I'm being forced. Like, some parents are going nuts, right? Teenagers just like dying because they can't see their friends. And people scared for legitimate reason. Other people paranoid, maybe not for as of a legitimate reason. Uh, people lost their jobs, the economy. Like, that's trouble. We cannot escape the effects of that. We are all feeling the effects of the fallenness of the world, what Jesus offers us is power to not be overcome by those effects. Right. Let me say it again. We are all affected by the fallenness of the world. What Jesus offers us is power to not be overcome by those effects. We have a new permanent position that makes us a new victorious people. And Jesus offers us a perspective change, if you will, today. You can't escape the trouble, but you do not have to be a slave to it. We can either live as a defeated people or we can live like the victorious people over the world that we actually are. It's like the son or daughter of an emperor. They can choose to live as a beggar or they can choose to live as royalty like they really are. Nobody's gonna make you live victoriously over the world. You can choose to live defeated or you can choose to live like the kingdom kid royalty that you actually are. I'll end with this. Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble, but in me, you may have peace. Jesus doesn't always offer to remove the trouble, but he does offer us peace in the midst of it. And where is the peace found? He says, in me. If the trouble is the inheritance of the world, then peace is the inheritance of Jesus. And it's found in him, it says. That means that we gain peace. Man, everybody's looking for peace. Everybody's looking for peace. And the Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. The peace is found in him. We won't find it anywhere other than Jesus. That's why he told Joshua, Joshua 1.9, be courageous, don't be afraid. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The peace is in the presence. Can we just all say this together? The peace is in the presence. The peace is in the presence. There is peace 
in the presence of God. It is in Jesus. But you got to receive that. You got to receive it. I think it's interesting. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. Jesus didn't promise or force on you peace. He promised trouble. He said, that's, you don't even have to ask for that or receive it. You just get it. But the, the peace, he said, I'm offering it to you. The, 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 the trouble was a promise, a lame promise. The peace is an offer. He's saying, I am offering this to you. I'm not forcing you. I'm offering this to you. Like all gifts, it must be received. He won't remove you from the trouble always, but he will always offer you peace in the midst of it. So I want to encourage you today, listen, if you don't have peace, look to Jesus, to the fearful, troubled disciples about to face the scariest time of their lives up to that point. Jesus said these words earlier in John, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives because the world gives peace based on circumstances. Jesus gives peace based on his solid, never-changing character. I don't give you that kind of peace. I give you peace based on my character. Therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus offers us a gift of his peace that is found in him. You need peace today. Receive Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this uh, this word that you spoke to a very troubled people many years ago. Thank you for the reality that um, we're not the first ones to face pestilence. Thank you for your authority and power over all things. Lord, right now in this season of trouble, tribulation, pressure. We want to receive the peace that's found in you. So wherever you're at, um, we're going to take a few minutes before we sing together. And uh, if you want this peace, just reach out your hands and as if you were receiving something from someone. And just repeat out loud after me. Say, Jesus, I receive you. receive 